0: Living, right. living with Jonathan and Katie. Welcome, welcome to Living.
1: <laughs> Katie, L- welcome to Living with Jonathan and Katie.
0: Welcome to Living with Jonathan and Katie. Uh, is that my? I cannot stop doing a fucking Australian accent, and it's ruining my relationship. I think.
1: Well, it's because I did the Australian act. Well, wait, in your day to day, because we were do- yes. Oh God. Well, no,
0: really, what's happening? We watched what we do in the shadows because Chris had never seen it.
1: You watched, wait, you watched the no, original movie? No, the,
0: the original movie, yeah, because oh, Chris had yeah. never seen the original film before diving into that. Uh, and so then I just couldn't stop doing the accent, and he truly hates it. And then I was like, I'm going to do it in bed and be like, I don't the spot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Get me deep into Bobby. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. <laughs> no, but you should honestly watch the show because there is a Mexican-American gay gordito on the show he's amazing his name is harvey guillen he's my new crush he's my new like celebrity crush um and he plays guillermo on the show it's really good
0: yeah i am very excited well per your recommendation last recommendation last time i started watching i may destroy you which is 10 out of 10 we can do a recap episode or later but um yeah but more importantly ask me how my day was
1: how was your day katie
0: i became a cat mom
1: now, um, I'm a mother. We I'm have, a mother. We have to, okay. We have to give some backstory for the viewers/slash listeners um, because you have brought now two cat skeletons onto the podcast. So we need to make sure that the cat that you're talking about is indeed alive or is I, skeleton.
0: I would love to. Okay, let me just back up. I'll tell you the story um number one i did i find out about this cat through a, a white woman named karen you're goddamn right i did wow um that's the only way to rescue a cat in this day di- and age just through an, a reliable karen um, oh i
1: thought it was to rob a karen <laughs> <Just> no <laughs> take, take a white lady's cat
0: <laughs> no it uh it's cute it's an orange tabby three months old don't know how he identifies yet they identify Um, He hates, well, not, he, he doesn't hate me, but he's not, he's not into it yet, you know. I thought we were going to be making a little Hey Kitty Girl music video together, and so far, as I told you, (laughs) he, um, he has been in his carrier for the first two hours, just like, um, no, he's actually scared and traumatized, but it's fine, Um, we'll get him out there. He literally, I've been waiting two hours, he just got out of his carrier, and I really, I am such a, sta- like, I want to be such a stage mother. Like, I want to grab him. I want to, like, vogue him. I want to, like, be like, love me. You know, the whole point is to have, like, a cat that loves you. Um, and you normally... You break
1: this cat's limbs in two seconds if you just let so, yourself.
0: So, I yes, 100%. Um, and I would just be, like, so aggressive. I would be not listening to any of his consent or not reading his body language. Um, but I'm trying. But, you know, what that was Katie in her 20s, I'm trying to push... You know her personality onto cats. Um, Now I'm trying to be older and wiser. And I really am trying, I'm literally like, I told my boyfriend, like, I was like, don't even look, don't even look at the cat. Like like, like, literally ice him. Don't even act like he's here because he needs to feel comfortable and do it in his own time. Um, But we'll see. And he's young.
1: Let's just go back to what you just said, which is that was me in my twenties when I used to try to push my personality onto cats. So that's very specific. (laughs) And that's very telling. It is so telling. telling. Okay. um, So you are now not pushing your uh, personality onto cats and you're just trying to live and be free and let this cat come out when it wants to come out.
0: Literally, I'm trying to practice being a good mother um, and just let the cat find itself, be itself, live its truth without me... Trying to push it into show business, but <laughs> I don't know how long that's gonna last. As we know, I was a model for Cat Fancy. One um, of your
1: one of one of your um, one of my favorite credits of yours.
0: Yes. Um, I but yeah, I want I mean I want it to love me. Not that I want to I just want it to be cute, I want it to do things. It's also dude, I just it's,
1: want it to love me.
0: It is full on my familiar. It has my eyes and my nose and my hair. It's a male. But other than that, it's me me and drag.
1: (laughs) Are you sure you didn't just turn your brother into a cat?
0: Honestly, same attitude.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what I'm drinking? And this is basically equivalent to a cat.
0: Okay.
1: I'm drinking something called pera piña.
0: Little pineapple?
1: No, pera piña, pear pineapple.
0: Oh, pear pineapple.
1: Basically, there's no pear in it, but it tastes like pear. okay? Okay. So basically, this is Dominican horchata
0: wait does it have cinnamon in it
1: no but it is made from like rice oh you know how like horchata is made from like rice milk yeah you no know? um and there is spices but it's it's basically like the pineapple skins and the pineapple leaves and the core i think um and you like boil it all together until it becomes this like weird witch Concoction, you know, Nike, Nike did it in the kitchen, and i I just like, you know, peeked in. But it it does have this like thick consistency, and of course, it's supposed to be served cold, so I, I'm serving it chill. But it is very thick, and it is it is this drink that is made from rice. So I guess that's where its thickness has come from. But it's not like viscous; it's just a little bit thick. Like you know, horchata is like thick, you know. Yeah. But it tastes like a very pungent fermented pineapple blended with pear, but there is no pear in the drink. But because of the way that the pineapple skins and the rice and everything like mix, it basically tastes like you're drinking like blended pear juice.
0: Then it is magic. It is a full on spell. It's a glamor. It's it's a flavor Mm glamor. I have been totally into, I hate to say the word mocktails. Let's just say concoctions as well. Um, I have been making cucumber, lime, mint, lemonades. I made a blackberry, mint, lemonade. And my favorite, shout out to Sarah Bacon, episode three, four, whatever. She was first five episodes. Um, she was always posting about making like um, watermelon, lime, and mint fresh with ice, like fresh smoothie, like um, basically ices, but like actually healthy style. Right. And I have just been sitting on my porch remembering Georgia and... <laughs> And sipping away.
1: <laughs> Wait, um, that sounds good. So it's a watermelon. So what icy?
0: It's just it's just watermelon, squeeze of lime, and mm-hmm. mint, and just blend it all together with some ice. It's that so refreshing, and it's so much water. It's very hydrating. It's beautiful. Um, so that is totally my um, my mocktail recommendation. I feel like I tried to make something that was a big fail. Um, my theme of quarantine cooking wise has been failures.
1: Oh, really? I, I had a success yesterday. You know what I cooked for the first time? This is the first time I cooked a proper risotto, like a real risotto with risotto rice.
0: I I have never, I always make it too mushy.
1: So my first time out of the gate cooking risotto, it was absolutely 100% perfect. It was so <laughs> delicious. And do you want to know why it was perfect? Why? Because when I was cooking it, Nike comes over, he's like, you don't need to like constantly be stirring the rice, right? And I was like, excuse me, the directions say to constantly be stirring this rice because you're trying to always have it in movement so that the starch is releasing, you get that creaminess, right? So I, for 20 straight minutes, was just pouring in um, animal stock into this uh, rice. And it was animal stock that we made from a whole chicken. So we made this stock. And I was ladling it into the rice. And I was just like moving it around. And then um, of course I was like making shrimp and like roasted bell peppers that were like really soft and like, you know, delicious. And um, the risotto came out so good. It was like not too al dente and not too mushy. It was like just the perfect amount and I had like shrimp all over it and like beautiful multicolored bell pepper, julienne. You know, it was so gorgeous. And I just felt like- it
0: Sounds like a gorgeous, diverse risotto. I love- it's just like
1: I, a seafood risotto.
0: Yeah, I wish I, I, to be honest, I made risotto the last time I made it many years ago. And uh, I'm ashamed to say this. I didn't have white wine at the time. It was like a white wine asparagus risotto. And then I was, like, Googling, like, what can you just use in place of white wine? And then someone was, like, vinegar. So I just fucking, yeah, exactly. It was disgusting. And I, it was one of the things where I'd, like, spend a lot of money on the ingredients. And so I forced myself to eat, like, basically pickled risotto, not pickled, like, horrible vinegar risotto for five days straight. Here's um, what I have
1: to say about you. And I <laughs> and I think this is from many times of me, like, cooking at your places. Yes. Both at your new apartment and at your old apartment. Yes. And this actually is something that happened that I never talked to you about because I think it would have been rude to say in the moment <laughs> but remember when you asked me to cook for you it was one birthday it wasn't like one of your last birthdays or something where I went over to like this apartment that you're in right now and I like cooked a bunch of chicken for you in that recipe that you taught me with like the Dijon and you know the white wine and all that stuff that like chicken hack recipe that that I love I still I still use it all to this day so I was going over to cook for you and make you mashed potatoes and everything but you bought chicken breasts that were already deboned and see that's a problem you know what I'm saying um as someone who cooks it's like why would you do that you know like why would you get me chicken that was deboned like bones have the hueso has the flavor you know what I'm saying and so of course it came out as good as it could come out and you liked it and so I didn't say anything you, you were, and so I was doing my best to cook this like what I like to call dead chicken
0: I would <laughs> so, like Caucasian Caucasian chicken
1: well yeah I, it's like you just get the I like my favorite part of the chicken is the chicken thigh now the chicken thigh is like the most decadent like beautiful like luscious fatty part of the chicken but you got the like breast and not not just the breast the like boneless breast so th- there was it was such a it was a healthy meal because there was no it was a very lean meat right um but it wasn't they didn't have that flavor and that fat that you get from like a chicken that actually has a bone in it, you know, especially like a really good cut. So I think your problem is, and I'm going to tell you what's your problem.
0: <laughs> Girl is, speaks.
1: That you, um, you buy, you, you buy the really good quality ingredients, but you will miss an essential ingredient in the dish. Like what you just said right now with, which is, i forgot to buy white wine and then you replaced it with vinegar or i forgot to buy chicken with a bone so here's like little skin flaps like those are like honestly
0: i i would disagree with something you just said which is that i buy quality ingredients that is not i always buy like even with the chicken thing i'm like oh it's probably the cheapest i always buy whatever's cheapest which is why i'm like vinegar and wine
1: That's where... I'm
0: getting better. I am getting better. And there's more food in my fridge because I know that always horrified you.
1: (laughs) That, yeah. Oh, my God, guys. Katie, going over to Katie's apartment, she would literally have, like, a dirty water filter in there. She would have, like, one sparkling, like, bottle of water. (laughs) She would have, like, a bag of, I don't know, like, cherries and then, like, and then, like, like, a dozen eggs and, like, one, always one loose bag of shredded (laughs) cheddar cheese or mexican cheese or something like literally
0: i i am i am shook right now by how much you know me because everything you described is like not hyper like that is exactly what is being my fridge yes that is i am like astounded
1: yeah now the 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 only time I've seen your fridge like actually stock stocked really though is when you've been moving I think I don't know if I don't know if it was because of the pandemic maybe it was because right at the beginning of the pandemic we were still like doing podcasts uh, together in the like the we're talking about like the first week or two when no one knew what was really going on um I remember your fridge being stocked and I was like thank god like it a stocked which, fridge like fridge just gives me, makes me relaxed.
0: Well, one by stocked, it was like a normal person's fridge. Yes, yeah. And to me, I was like, wow, I guess I'm a fucking doomsday prepper now. <laughs> like,
1: well, not... I've,
0: I've changed a behavior because the reason that was was because I used to like, I'm very cheap. I was also like trying to save money and like just buying exactly what I needed, which would be, you know, a bell, bowl of cherries to eat for a week and a bag of cheese to sprinkle into my mouth. <laughs> Um, but now I'm much better, and I actually am like, no, you buy stock. Think I even have doubles of some stuff. I guess it's the pandemic. I guess it's just changed me.
1: Yes, I'm so glad because it was tragic. And so, guys, it was the point where when I would go over your place, I remember I would constantly actually bring more food with me than you had <laughs> in your fucking fridge. Because remember, I would cook for you a lot, not just like on your birthday, I would just like cook stuff. You know what I'm saying?
0: You would, and you would make delicious, amazing meals. And I do, I'm very grateful for that.
1: Thank you. Except I remember one meal I really fucked up. And and do you remember what meal it was?
0: Which one was it?
1: It was when I made, um, I I pulled to Katie. Okay. So I made, (laughs) I was making my mom's chile rellenos and I forgot tomato sauce, which you need to make Mexican rice. And so I served it over a bed of white rice, which is like, not authentic and not as flavorful because white rice is just never going to be as flavorful as like a flavored rice, you know? Um, And so, and Mexicans do eat white rice. There is a Mexican white rice, but it's like, at least I only ate that like around like spring and Easter. It's like a special thing and it's not as good. Um, So I remember making you this chile relleno and I remember Chris trying it and he was being so nice because the chile was fine, I guess, but the rice is part of the decadence and he was like it was good you know and then I was like oh I just wish you know the right I, I hadn't forgot the tomato sauce and he was like yeah you know so I felt bad about that
0: I have I feel like on so many occasions also it's like just when you're learning to cook and you're growing up you know what I mean yeah. like especially again like early 20s to later like all the times yeah like missing the main essential ingredient or trying to make something because it's all you have in your fridge you know the other day I had I was shook though this is crazy okay this is crazy. I had come back from the forests of Northern California and I had a bounty Um, and I had like all these yellow squash and I Googled and like somehow miraculously, like you know, when you want something and you Google for it and then you actually have every ingredient for it, which like for me never happens for obvious reasons. Um, I had everything in my house to make a yellow squash casserole. I mean.
1: Casserole though? Like when do you need a casserole?
0: because it was, it was so delicious. Was it white trash? Yes. Because you had to crumble crackers as breadcrumbs, but I didn't care. I love, you know what I love? Anytime you Google for a recipe and of course the usual will come up. It's like Martha Stewart, Bon Appetit, which by the way, fucking fuck Bon Appetit recipes, because literally they'll be like, it'll be like the best grilled cheese ever. And then you look it up and it's like imported saffron from, it's like a 500 list thing. That's like a million dollars. Anyways, I I always go to like the search result that's like page eight or nine because it's always like Marianne Marianne Joe's kitchen or it's like Deborah Jean's pies and those women are like Midwest moms who shop at Costco and they will give me like the four version four ingredient version so shout out to all the Christian stay-at-home mommy bloggers or whatever
1: I mean honestly I do have to say though it is best to have like food where it is just a limited amount of ingredients i don't love unless it's something super decadent and rich and a food with too much going on sometimes is like not that great the only time i think it's amazing is if you're making a sauce like a tomato sauce or a bolognese or a mole those sauces need a lot in them but they like develop over time but usually i think it's best to just yeah like you said like like you make good stews and stuff like that. Like Katie also always has like frozen stew inside her freezer. Stew
0: and soup. I am known for that everywhere. Like even at work, or whatever they'd always be like eating your soups again. And I'm like, and I'd always say the one thing: it's a one bowl meal, honey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you love like efficiency and like yeah. you love that.
0: I don't um, have time for the rest.
1: Speaking of bon appetit, though, what are you what What are your thoughts on like all the controversy going on over there?
0: I mean, it is interest. It's, like, the last I knew was, like, some people were ousted racist stuff. Produced. Well, the Somebody head, appropriated something, was it?
1: Well, the head of the Bon Appetit um, guy who was on, like, a lot of their YouTube videos, um, the, like, the head guy, he seemed, like, really nice on the videos and stuff. But then it came out that he did brownface um, oh. years back. So then he just immediately resigned. He was like, I'm sorry, I'm out. But the major problem was, because of course, yes, brown face is bad, but what's even more of a problem was that all the like chefs of color um, were not being paid either at all or they were being paid so much lower than all the white chefs. And I mean, all of them. So um, they all were like, Transparent about what they were being paid, and a lot of them were literally being paid like menial amounts of money for these videos. And a lot of them work at Bon Appetit, but of course, all the like white chefs and editors and stuff like that—they were—they um, were doing the videos in the test kitchen and getting paid way more money, um, and the ones of color weren't or no money at all. Um, even uh, that one of their most popular. Uh, uh, guys, this name um I think his name is Andy barangi He's Iranian um American and he's gay. And um he was like one of the most popular guys on there. He's like the eye candy, you know, and he always makes like um you know Iranian food, which that that matters to what I'm about to say. So he was a senior like editor there or a senior food editor or something. So he was like actually higher up on the totem pole versus some of the other like POC people who were there. But he just revealed in January of 2020, that is when he first started getting paid to do videos for Bon Appetit. And he had been a senior editor there for three years. And he had been doing food, uh, I'm sorry, he had been doing um, the food uh, test kitchen videos there for years. So it took three years for him to even start making money um at the videos and only when people started to make noise about it and because they promoted him to like a higher position so they were in this like kind of thing of like the controversy is coming out people are making noise but we want him to stay and we're promoting him we have to like start paying him so he only started getting pay this year and i knew that and i knew it in my bones because uh, Nike was saying, oh, they probably paid Andy, even though he's POC and, and queer because, um, like he's like lighter skin and also like he's higher up on the totem pole. And I was like, no, they didn't pay him. I know in my gut that they still don't think of him as like, you know, the same, um, and adding on the gay thing and all that stuff. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. He came out being like, yeah, I wasn't being paid. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. You know, oh,
0: crazy.
1: so three of the like people um, stopped. I have had they tried to give them a new contract saying mm-hmm. you're going to be paid this and this and this. They saw the contract as not a good contract. They were like, we just went from like getting almost nothing or nothing to then just like this shitty contract. So th- what mm-hmm. they were willing to give them was still less than what they were giving all these like white. uh, Food editor people who were on the videos. And so three of them left the like video channel. One of them stayed as a like to work at the magazine, but um, two of them left completely. And what they were all complaining about is like all the POC um, food specialists who were doing the videos, they all tried to make them uh, do food that matched with their ethnicity, even though the Mm -hmm. directors got to do whatever they wanted. So they were like pushing people to do stuff that matched with their ethnicity. And the Iranian American guy who's really popular, he got popular for cooking Iranian food on on, uh, the Bon Appetit um, site. But he actually said, yeah, I actually am not trained in Iranian food and I really pushed away my culture growing up. So I was not familiar with any of these recipes. So I was actually learning as I was going. So he was like, but of course, like, um they just had me do these things because I'm of Iranian descent but I actually don't have a lot of experience cooking this food and a lot of other people were were make, made to like cook like somalian food, mexican yeah. food, um indian food and stuff. But I loved one of the women who left, she was um indian american and she you could tell now looking back like that she was just very like not happy with certain things that were going on there because she would be like, of course, showing you how to cook Indian cuisine. And then she would be like, she would just take an ingredient. And she'd be like, honestly, you could have this ingredient. You could not, like, it's fine. Like do whatever. Um, I'm honestly gonna just use bread for this. And she'll like she, got, like, she literally didn't care. And she was like, I just make substitutions. And I was like, that was actually probably really real because like, when you're like uh, an American who's like, you know, have immigrant parents or whatever, a lot of times, like, the cuisine does get kind of mixed in the home. Like, sometimes you don't have all the ingredients from Mexico or all the ingredients from India. So you put most of them in, but then you maybe, like, put in an ingredient that you got from bonds Because that's so all, I was all
0: I would make butter tortillas with cinnamon <laughs> and sugar on them as my afternoon snack.
1: Like a buñuelo.
0: Yeah, but, like, similar. You didn't, yeah.
1: you didn't fry yeah, it, didn't,
0: though. I'm like, I actually invented this. Like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then you start selling it from a, from a paletero cart that you, like, beat a paletero. God. Well, did you hear that time that that, um, that white girl from, uh, went into, like, I think it was, like, some Latino, like, neighborhood in San Diego and was, like, I'm opening a fruta stand. <laughs> and everyone was, like, girl, what are you doing?
0: What would you, okay, like, if you had your own cooking show, what would you be, like, what would it be?
1: my cooking show um i think it would just be like um i think it would be like mexican american tex-mex new mexican cuisine because i know how to cook kind of all of that
0: and would you be like um really intense the way that some of them are or would you just be like just no, like, i'd be like i'm throwing a Throw in a, you know, whatever.
1: Throw in I a Tostito. Be, yeah, no, I, I would stick authentic on my show, but I would also just, like, be more, like, feely about, like, what it is you want. You know what I mean? I'd be like, you know, you know, use a Serrano Chile, or, or you or you don't need to if it's too hot for you, then use a Jalapeno if you're, you know, weak or something. I <laughs> just do stuff like that. I but
0: would, I, I feel like, number one, I would... Well, one, it would be, what is the minimal meal you can make with the smallest? Like, literally, I'd be like, you have butter, and you have frozen peas, and hot sauce. So
1: so what you're describing is just- Frozen of hot sauce. Then.
0: Is that, is she, like, the fewest ingredients possible, though?
1: She is one of those people who has a cooking show who can't, like, really cook, but she <laughs> can, like, turn on a stove, you know? No, but she's, would... not, she's not a real cook. And she became huge in Britain and Europe because she's, like, sensual and, like, she's Italian and English and she has these, like, beautiful breasts and she just looks like a Renaissance painting. But her ingredients, like, we were making fun of her today. Like, we love her. I love her show. But her ingredients are literally, like, soft boil an egg and take this asparagus and dip the asparagus into the egg and there's your dinner. Like, she literally is, like, (laughs) it's an egg and an asparagus, girl. Like, I don't know what you want. Nike was telling me of a recipe where she was like, I made a salad. I cut up a red onion, poured capers on it, and then put two sprigs of parsley. Salad. Like, that was like, it's an (laughs) onion, caper, parsley salad, you know?
0: I would do, yeah, I would do a lot of salads. I would be like, soup town. You know? Soups and stews and such. You know what I love? Katie,
1: there was a Christmas episode of need. I'm gonna send it to you after this, where she was like, fruitcake I don't bother making fruitcakes that's why I think you should buy it from the store so she takes up this fruitcake that she bought from the store and she was like so when you want to get a fruitcake from the store just dress it up a bit she got out all these like dried candied fruits that she bought from the store and she then just started to she put an egg wash and a sugar wash on top of the the already made fruitcake and she's like and just glue the dried candy and fruit onto the top of the cake and then she like glazed that and it was just like this fucking cake with all this like dried apricots and shit on it. And she was like, voila. And I was like, that's not a res that is not anything. It's more <laughs> like she's like half cook, half homemaker.
0: You know what I'm she's saying? She's like crafting with foods, basically. Yeah. I do okay, I had a phase. I mean I still I do like to bake and I do love cake decorating. And in high school, I don't know I was really into it. I got like my little bag and my little tips and whatever. <laughs> and I remember I bought, I had this book, I still have it at my mom's and it's like, literally, I think it's like the art of the cake. And it's like these like porn, food porn, um, incredible decorated cakes and like recipes. And it's a lot of like sugar frosted pansies and stuff. But my favorite one that I did recreate one year for Valentine's day is a cake that looks like a truffle box with its, it's Ooh. like a heart shaped cake
1: yeah. and it
0: has a like a fake lid open. So it looks like an open truffle box and then you put truffles inside it. So the whole thing just looks like a chocolate box.
1: Ooh.
0: And did I make it? Yes. Did it fall apart? Yes. And did it look like a chocolate box? Absolutely not. It was literally just like, well, because I, whatever my, I don't know, the construction was off because you cut it in half so that there is an actual lid. And then you like wrap that in fondant and put it to the side, like. You, like, lay it on there, you know, so it looks like a presented open chocolate box. Um, But it was, like, structurally quite unsound. And it basically – I ended up having to put in so many toothpicks to, like, hold it that it just looked like the Hellraiser head with, like, a chocolate ball in it. (laughs) But I'm still proud that I tried to make it. And I did what I have – I'm trying to think of the most layers I've ever put in a cake.
1: Oh, I would love to make one of those cakes where, you know, they split all the layers and then they put – the filling in between, and it's like a 21 layer cake, and it's like the pieces like this big, but it's because all the layers have been cut super, super thin. That yes. looks amazing.
0: And I've done, I've made the rainbow cake before, which every basic bitch has. Um, <laughs> that was a seven layer um I also, oh, have you ever had an icebox cake?
1: Mm-mm.
0: It's interesting. It's like all vanilla wafers. You could do vanilla or chocolate. You like, not crumble them up, but you just like lay out vanilla wafers, and then you just put. Like fresh, um, fresh made whipped cream. Then another thing of vanilla wafers. Fresh and like literally, you can do it there's like twenty layers. And then it just sits in the kit, ke- sits in the um, fridge for like two hours. And then everything, all the vanilla wafers have like softened into kind of like their own cake layers. It's that's um, good. I
1: would eat that. I would add strawberries to it, but that's it.
0: Yeah, ooh, a strawberry shortcake is nice. I love um, anything marzipan. A princess cake that's like ra- traditionally like fluffy raspberry with and our almond coating is a dream.
1: You um, love that princess cake, but I do have to say, because I worked in a Danish bakery, seeing a princess cake get made is amazing. They are hard to make.
0: They're so, I've never been able to make one. Also cause they're domed, which I still don't understand how they like do it. It, it needs, it's um, like sponge, sponge cake, raspberry, fresh cream, and then covered in marzipan. Traditionally a green marzipan exactly
1: they did it with green marzipan no but they you literally have to make enough cake to where you can actually cut the cake into a dome oh,
0: into the dome
1: into the dome and in fact um the what the cake maker in back when i worked at the da- danish bakery she's danish and she i didn't realize she was on like a bunch of those food network like baking like shows like cupcake wars and stuff and i'm like oh that makes sense that's why you're able to like create a don't like make this square cake that's like the layers this big into a dome she was able to like carve things to look like pigs and stuff like that and i was like oh this is like your thing okay
0: i love that would be my alternate my alternate career would just be cake baker a little pastry pastry maker i find it so um soothing and beautiful and like you know on instagram or whatever you see those like photos of um like when they ice cakes in like two seconds or they do the like Um, kind of what you were describing the what do they call like a raw edge cake which is where it has frosting between the layers but none around it it's like rustic cake you know
1: naked it's it's a naked cake
0: it's a naked cake yeah yeah um or like watching them make like um like ro uh like all the frosting roses or all the crazy like lattice work or watching um i mean i just love everything made out of marzipan especially when I, it's, I just love, I'm such a middle, I'm like, I just love when it's not something, it's not a sweet thing, but it looks like, you know,
1: like well, I love when your, they make
0: a bag of Doritos, but it's actually marzipan.
1: That That's your Scandinavian blood calling you.
0: It is. And marzipan. you know, there's a, a tradition at New Year's that you receive a marzipan pig.
1: I used to make marzipan pigs. I made hundreds and hundreds of them.
0: Did you? Did you give them a little like curly cues or just the faces?
1: No, no, no. It's a, you, you, you have to like get the marzipan and you put them into these like medieval iron molds of a cake
0: oh yeah yeah
1: and then you take you hold them there for like a minute and then you take it out and then you have to delicately take it out and then the mold has a seam on it so the marzipan pig has this like flap of like marzipan skin all the way around so you have to take like a little knife and you have to like cut the marzipan skin off the pig so that the pig is completely smooth. And then you take a little bit of water on your finger and you basically just like rough out all the edges on the pig so that it looks like a beautiful, like like pristine marzipan pig. And people love those things around Christmas. Marzipan pigs are like the thing.
0: I love it. They sell them at um, Cost Plus. And I remember I got one once that was so realistic. Maybe it was a similar mold. But I remember being like, I am beguiled by this marzipan pig.
1: (laughs) It is. It's crazy. They also had Kansakaga. Which was, you would love, it's basically just like um, chilled marzipan dipped in semi-dark chocolate.
0: Oh, I love those. Yeah. Oh my God. In Lübeck, Germany, where marzipan was invented, there is a marzipan museum and you can go and then in the middle of it, they have a whole like, um, like a castle made of marzipan.
1: Oh Lord.
0: <laughs> it's a castle made of marzipan.
1: Um, no, no, no. Um, Did you see that um that whole hubbub today about jerry seinfeld and new york i did
0: i did not he said all i saw was like he says new york isn't dead or something
1: some dude on linkedin i guess wrote this like blog opinion article that was like new york's dead and here's why and it was like poorly written and then jerry seinfeld somehow is bored and saw it (laughs) i was like
0: not today linkedin (laughs)
1: He wrote his own op-ed, Reply in the New York Times, and I shit you not, he definitely wrote this on the toilet. Like, he, he, this was written in, a, in his note doc on his iPhone, because it was one of the worst poorly written, like, op-eds I've ever read, and basically, he was, like, just coming in to, like, defend New York. Because he was literally being like, New York's not dead, you know? And then all the idiots from around the world and in show business, they literally came out in droves and were, like, quote-tweeting him, and they were like, I love you, Jerry Seinfeld. Guess what? New York isn't dead. Signed (laughs) Rosie O'Donnell. You know, signed Judy Gold. Signed every, like, New York person who's ever lived. Signed
0: Judy Garland.
1: (laughs) It's like all these people who just loved The op-ed because it had a very patriotic fuck you attitude about like New York we make it through anything type thing which is fine and and I agree with Seinfeld that New York is of course not dead because the original article that he was responding to is a was bad it was like hyperbole like New York is dead you know that's dumb but what he wrote was that um New York is not dead and if you leave New York during this pandemic it's because you were weak never understood New York and you deserve everything that's coming to you like you deserve to like live somewhere else there and it was this like super tone-deaf op-ed from this like billionaire man who has like a mansion in Manhattan and he was like New York's not dead New York oh he literally starts out going like I moved here in 1976 there was dog shit everywhere i stepped in dog shit on the way to my first apartment and when i came out my car was towed the best city in the world he literally that's how he opened the article Um, it's like
0: my joke about how people from new york never stop talking about being from they will
1: not shut up about it and if you're a listener from new york I, i i i i'm sure you're a good person okay shut the fuck up about new york it
0: and is, you're and you're dating someone who's from new york i mean so we, we get from it from
1: the biz the bronx okay like but which is the way you always have to say it The, the like the J-Lo. Bronx. yeah the j-lo's always in the back of every song just being like the bronx like but what's crazy is it was just like and thankfully there was a lot it was very polarizing because some people were like we love you, Seinfeld. You know, and then other people were like, what, which is what I was thinking. And it, thankfully, I, of course, didn't say anything. Like, on t- I'm saying something public right now. But I, I'm not from New York. So it's like, whatever. I don't give a shit. But, like, it just, it was the fact that it came from Seinfeld. Yeah. And do you remember when he did that, like, late night set on David Letterman in, like, 2013 or 2014? he was like, what's the deal with the iPhone? You swipe left, you swipe right. And we were just like, oh, no, Jerry. <laughs> who keeps letting this guy do? Like this is not good. He's not good. Um, but 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 mm-hmm. but people, New Yorkers were finally, and thankfully, New Yorkers of color um, were responding and being like, "You're a fucking billionaire. You don't understand how hard this city can be to live in when you don't have a safety net. When it's like a day to day thing. And so there are people who, of course, are like rich kids leaving the city." But there are also people who are very not much not rich at all are very working class who are forced to leave the city and go back to Miami or go back to El Paso or wherever the fuck they're from because they lost their job they can't afford their apartment and there are people who are trapped in the city because they're from there they're and they've been there for generations they don't have an outside network as much, so they're trapped in the city and they're having a hard time and it's just like he had an opportunity to talk about like the discrepancies in like how a place can be dead quote unquote meaning like unlivable for some people and like an amazing place still for others like him and people were like nothing your New York it can always be your New York because you can afford to live there like you can afford to keep going to your same haunts that you've been going to since the 70s because you, you don't have to worry about money you know um and it was just so tone deaf and I just could not believe at how many people were like retweeting the article. Like journalists were retweeting this article. And I was like, I can't believe it. This is not a, well, this is just dumb. This is like, it doesn't matter. It didn't say anything. Like, why do, why not you, why not like donate a hundred million dollars to the city of New York? Why not uh, talk about like, Hey, I love New York, but can we like make this city more livable? Like back when I was living here in the seventies, but he never thought that way back then. Like you never, he never thought like, oh, is this city like safe for everyone? Like he just, I hate him.
0: <laughs> hey, but you're talking about New York here. <laughs> it's just like well, I will no, say, I know-
1: New York's not dead. I'm just saying, he- Jerry Seinfeld is like <laughs> no, you know, I know. You know when someone's like, someone says something stupid. So the New York not dead guy, he said something stupid, right? Like that's dumb. New York's not dead, of course. And then you think someone's going to say something smart. Like, oh, th- that was so dumb. Someone, this guy's going to say something smart. And then they say something so left field and so stupid that you're like, wait, now we're in an argument with like two stupid people.
0: Well, you know who has a cookbook? His, Jerry Seinfeld's wife.
1: Of course oh, she does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, that same thing happened to me when I wrote about Bakersfield being dead. <laughs> <laughs> So I get it.
1: Bakerfield, uh, not dead. That's what I responded. I was like, I grew up in Bakersfield. And by grew up, I mean, I've been there once.
0: And I bombed there twice. So who's really the oh. resident now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we're at time. The cat's starting to meow. I think he's Ooh. called. I think he's summoning me.
1: Or he's getting ready to take a little shit. Shit. <laughs> no. Wait, do you have a litter box set up?
0: I do and I need to literally like I'm trying to get him like introduced to the whole thing, but he literally I mean, he's barely come out, so I'm like, Girl, I gotta show you your food and your shit show. So yeah. Anyway.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end. Living.
0: Living rock